0: Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. Jesus and people continued. If you ever listen to Jesus, He's really something else. Like, if you would understand the first century culture and then just read through Jesus, He's always pushing On stuff and uh, I think that we like the idea of Jesus more than Jesus that's what I think personally but hopefully we'll uh, we'll grow out of that so I'm gonna give you just a brief rehearsal dress rehearsal of Sunday Jesus goes to the Pharisees house for lunch And a sinner woman winds up in the house. Isn't it fascinating that the sinner woman knew where the religious people lived? (laughs) If the prostitute knows where you live. (laughs) Anyhow. And they were preoccupied with Jesus' lack of discernment to be able to see who this woman was. They were upset about who she was and about what she done and how Jesus was responding to her, when in Jesus' mind, they were actually the problem. And people who are the problem are always preoccupied with the other person. Have you ever met someone who's problematic? They're always focused on others. You ever ever meet someone who's depressed all the time? They're always focused on themselves. Okay. (laughs) We'll back out of that. (laughs) Uh, Then Jesus to his disciples. They're they're in a storm and they're like, you don't care that we're going to die. And so to the disciples, the problem was the storm. The problem was the circumstances. But Jesus, you don't know what we're going through. But pastor doesn't know what we're going through. Only we know what we're going through. And then Jesus goes, boys, The problem isn't the storm. The problem is your lack of faith in me telling you that we're going to the other side. So they thought that the circumstance that was going on on the outside was a problem. God says it's actually the circumstances on the inside that are the problem. So the problem is not the problem. The problem is how you're responding to what you think is the problem, but actually you're the problem. Okay, then you got Jesus to the to to his disciples again. The Samaritans now they're mad at the, the Samaritans now. There's a there's a 700 year old beef going all the way back to the Assyrians, so they've got a chip on their shoulder, and uh, so they're upset. And the Samaritans hate the Jews so much that they're like, Jesus, if you're going to Jerusalem, don't even walk through my neighborhood, and don't even go like you're not. Don't don't even come over here with that. Like, don't bring sister so-and-so to the barbecue. Nobody likes her, you know. And so they were upset, and and they were upset, and they wanted to call fire out of heaven on the Samaritans, which is the misuse of Scripture, which is the working of another spirit. And it's the opposite, because we're not in the season of Elijah. We're in the season of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ didn't come to take lives, but to lay his life down. It's easier to kill for freedom than die for love. Which is the direct opposite. See, Jesus and America are not the same gospel. The American dream and the kingdom is not the same thing. I'm sorry to tell you that. Um, the, the, The ideology of empires is we will kill for freedom. The ideology of the kingdom of God is God will die for love. Which is a different, there's a whole different set. of of rules and so anyway so their anger they're triggered by their anger and 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 so their rejection triggers their anger and then they find a proof text in the bible to validate their their anger and their frustration which is many many people chasing prophecy are looking for someone in the prophetic to validate their dysfunction instead of telling them to repent all right Okay. (laughs) Luke 10. Martha is anxious and she is medicating her anxiousness with busyness. you remember that? We've never done that. (laughs) And so, Martha thinks Mary's a problem. But Mary actually has the solution. Sit down and shut up. That's the solution. Most of the time in our life, can I tell you that? Most of the time in our life, the solution is sit down and shut up. And listen to Jesus and don't medicate your busyness, your anxiousness with busyness. and And then she's anxious, so she's projecting that anxiety onto other people. That's what people who are not healed do. They think everyone has a porn problem. No, it's you have a porn problem. We all don't need triple X. You need triple X on your phone. <laughs> you want to look at my phone? You'll be sadly disappointed with what you see in there. So, so any, anyhow, people who have bondage, listen to me. I know this because I've done it. They project their bondage on other people. Right? So now M- M- Martha is just upset. And, and you know people who are anxious, they're usually not happy. They're usually not and so she's killing a moment have you ever you ever done something good but like the state of your internal being is just not good so people can't experience the good you're doing because you're not good that's why I don't push people with ministry because if it's not within you it has to come from overflow so she is medicating again her, her, her anxiousness with busyness, which leads to the accusation against Mary. And in her mind, Mary is doing the wrong thing. But in Jesus' mind, it's indeed Martha who's doing the wrong thing. But Jesus is not really about the thing that she's doing. Jesus is about the condition of her heart because that's the issue. We always will medicate symptoms, but what I'm trying to get at in this message is that Jesus is always looking to the heart. He's always looking to why. Why are you so anxious? Why are you so tired? Why are you so frustrated? Why? Whatever whatever you're doing is not the issue. The issue is why. The Word of God in, in Hebrews 4, it is a discerner, Of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So the Word of God is why many people do not want to be in the Word. They'll do a devotional. Uh, Old school people do the devotional. One scripture, a few thoughts. Now we got the new school version. You version. A little practical application, but nothing that slices through. And really brings the hammer down. Always like, okay, you, you, like it's, it's almost like a nice bit of encouragement. It's like motivation before I jump on a treadmill. It's never the thing that really says, let me grab what is afflicting you by the neck and break its back. It's always like, oh, you just, you'll be okay. No, you won't be okay if, if you don't deal with your stuff. So anyway, so Jesus loves her enough to address her. He actually calls her name twice, Martha, Martha. If you look all through scripture, anytime God calls someone's name twice, it's because they're called. Okay. Then the two brothers. One brother comes and, and he's like, oh, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Jesus goes, who made me a judge over you? And then he addresses the issue in that guy's heart and he goes, your life does not consist of the things that you possess. Be careful of covetousness or greed. So it is greed that is motivating him going to Jesus. So if you're going to bring your something to Jesus, a problem, which we all have problems, which is Jesus is the best place to do it. I said, don't bring them to the nightclub or the strip club or any other club. Bring them to Jesus, but don't... But get ready. Get ready, because if you bring him to Jesus... Jesus is going to turn the tables on you because because what here's what happens you go to the you go to the you go to the club the, the nightclub and the bartender keeps pouring because they monetize on your brokenness you go you go to the doctor not all but many they monetize on your brokenness they go we'll prescribe you something not all many you and they and they will monetize on your pain, you go to a psychologist, most of them will monetize on your pain instead of telling you the truth. So if you, so, so they'll keep pouring. And they'll say, oh, it's your ex who's the problem. You call the drug dealer. He's like, yeah, I got you. I got you. No, he don't got you. He's killing, he's killing you. And you're putting $1,200 Gucci sneakers on him and he's killing you. No, no, no. Or you speak about it. No, no. Yeah, can, you use can someone? You're not use the no, you're not. Anyway, so we're stirring up demons like Sister Tina. <laughs> so, so now Jesus addresses the root issue. When she's done, just make sure she gets out safely. If, if you could do that, that,'d be good. So now, Jesus deals with a crowd. In Luke 13, he begins to address them. Let me go to that one real quick, and then I'm going to move on. But in Luke 13, they come to him with the conspiracy theory of the day, which is Pilate. You don't know what Pilate did. Pilate mixed the blood of the people with the sacrifices. Jesus goes, If you don't repent, you will all likewise perish. And he's talking about Rome coming in, not going to hell when they die. He's talking about the real situation that's going to happen if they don't receive his warning. If they try to do things their way, they're going to pay. And we, we all have experienced that. I think everyone in this room knows and everyone in this room is, can vouch for and attest to the fact that doing things our way has not worked. Alright, now, we're going to go to some different scenes from the gospel. We're going to go back to Mark 4. Watch this, Mark 4, this is Jesus. And you're going to see, verse 35 on, watch this. And on the same day, when evening had come, oh, nope, nope, yep sorry about that. I can't see it on my screen. Ah. Send the Koreans. I would have stayed there like, "Mm, my new computer doesn't work. Mm." (laughs) Okay. Okay. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was and the other little boats were also with him. I just want to motherfucking say that you don't motherfucking say Jesus loves you. God bless you. you. Have a nice I day. Say I love you. God bless if you. Have you a nice day. Please, please. Jesus what you're doing your isn't right. It's, it's not as right. Fuck. You call me a drunk when I was trying to. God bless my you. Opinion. Drunk. God is coming up. Drunk. I didn't. I didn't call you a drunk, but drunk. it seems that you are drunk. What Have a nice day. Punk. God bless you. All the best to you. back to, that was an intermission (laughs) it's very sad, okay back to our show now, when they had left the multitude they took him along in a boat, as he was and the other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling but he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow, and they woke him and said, teacher do you not care that we're perishing now, they're accusing Jesus of not caring about them. He is in the same situation as them. <laughs> but what's going on in here is not what's going on in there. Remember David? This has this is like has echoes of Ziklag. Everybody loses everything and they want to kill David. And, and the principle here for kingdom leaders is if you need their encouragement, you can't lead them. Okay. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You see what they're calling him? Teacher. Watch this. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to them, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So they were speaking to him about something that they should have spoke to. Sometimes we're praying about something we should speak to. You can never speak to a storm that you cannot sleep in. This is important. You don't have authority over something if it jostles you. I'm talking about Jesus reacting to people, right? And what do we have? The devil walks in. <laughs> last, time, last time Tina was there, what was Tina talking about? Tina was talking about guarding your heart when someone was trying to take the microphone from her. So the Lord is providing a nice little, cute little illustration. Okay. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He didn't say some faith, a little faith. He says no faith. Like. Okay. And they feared (laughs) exceedingly. And Okay, boys. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So they go from the fear of the storm to the fear of the Lord. Thank you. Do you want to come help me? This is why I didn't like this thing. This table. Someone hijacked my bar. You want to stand here and help me? I'm just playing with you. Thank you. I need a lot of help. I have two people advising me. (laughs) And we haven't even, just so you know, we haven't even got to the message. This is not a message. (laughs) Sarah said, Jesus. Sarah, you know what she commented to me the other day? She goes, oh, that message is only 36 minutes. You can do it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So they go from this is, they go from the fear of the storm to the fear of the Lord. This is what we need in our life. We need a revelation of who Jesus is. So Jesus doesn't go, oh, boys, it's okay. You know, don't worry. I know you were a little scared. He's like, why do you have no faith? If you think, I just want to be honest with you. If you think that Jesus will not address the elephant in the room, you are not talking to the Jesus of the Bible. This is very dangerous because you can be in church and you can become Christian and you can go round the mountain always thinking that Jesus is addressing someone else when in fact he's addressing you. When, when, I, when I'm just going to tell you the, the naked truth. When I, when I read the Bible, the Bible brings me into conflict. I don't understand how you can read this and not be troubled. David said, I thought of God and I was troubled. David. The one who goes, oh, I want to be all the beauty of the Lord. All the days of my life. That David said, I thought of God and was troubled. So not only is God the comforter, which he is, but God is also the troubler because if there's not trouble, you will not know something needs to change. And I I say this because I've been there. I I know that that in fact, this is actually uh, legitimately true. I'm getting ready to have a meltdown here on the, uh, yeah. Are you coming to rescue me, girl? How should I navigate this this season? No, I just don't want to knock this thing down. No, I think it's too ugly. All right, I think I found it. I think we're good. Thank you. I, th- I think we just nailed it. This is like a this is like a public therapy session online. I got someone screaming at me, cursing at me. I got, I got, this is awesome. Uh, we got my other therapist in the room. So I, this is this is tremendous. Now, okay. Now we're gonna get to the message. I'm gonna go through quick. Matthew, 16. And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that the Son of Man am? Okay, let me just say one thing about Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is a 14-hour walk from where Jesus normally is, and he only went there one time. (laughs) Imagine I say, Come on, Joseph, we're going to go for a walk. Me and Joseph, we're going to pick up, All right, we pick up Isaac on the way. Three hours in. Where are we going? Just walking. Four hours. No. Fourteen hours later, when they get to where Jesus wants to be, where Jesus wants to say something so that they can see something, then he decides to speak. He only went there once. Now, this place, Caesarea Philippi, it was on the southwest slopes Of Mount Hermon, (laughs) Caesar Augustus gave the city to Herod. We're getting, we're gonna get somewhere. Now, there was a temple in the center of the city, and at the mouth of a cave to the Greek false god called Pan. Pan was the god of shepherds and a wilderness and it was believed that Pan could come in and out of hell or Hades they they sacrificed castrated goats to Pan and do you know who Pan's dad was? Hermes you don't like the bags? Steph starts crying we're not going to judge you if you get a Hermes bag you can still stay on the worship team. <laughs> Hermes. So you see all these names? All these names, they're not arbitrary. Nike is, is the is the god of victory. Just so you know, I'm just giving you some, just all, all this stuff. These are this is not arbitrary. So, okay. So Jesus says to his voice, Who do they say? That I am. This is very important for ministry people and church people because church people can become so churchified that they don't know what is going on in the outside world. You can become so churchified that you don't really know anything. So he wants them to know if they're going to represent him. What are the people saying? You don't live for what they're saying, but you got to know what is going on. You cannot speak to current events that you don't know about or don't understand. So he's got, he has, has, they got to know, this is, he's like, he's training them. Who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? This is one of the most important questions that will ever be asked to you. Who is Jesus to you? I saw your son. I said, I'm going to ask you again. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? The most important thing is, do you know Jesus? Or really the most important thing, does Jesus know you? We went into this sin stops me from knowing him. Iniquity stops him from knowing me. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So he, they worked for him, but did not know him. The, the priority is to know him. So he says, but who do you say that I am? So this is what they're saying, but but what do you say? Peter? Simon Peter. He's still two people. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we dealing with today, Simon or Pete? <laughs> you know, he's he's like back and forth, two people, double-minded. He's like he doesn't know what he's going to be today. Who are we dealing with? <laughs> Which version of you is going to pick up the phone? You know. Okay, okay. Simon Peter answered and said, "You are." The Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. Now he's saying this amongst the gods, the false gods. you gotta, you got to catch the scene you got to feel where they are. They're in Philip Philippi. This was a 14-hour walk to have a conversation. Some of the most important conversations in your life are non-formal. Are you able to grab what is being said to you? A light from heaven doesn't shine and go, ooh. Now, I'm speaking into your prophetic destiny. Record. Put the recorder on. No. Sometimes, God is speaking to you and, and, you're, and people are not. Okay. Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon bar Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter. Petras. Petros. And upon this Petra, and upon this rock, it's not the same word, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Where is he saying that? At what they believe to be the gates of hell. Jesus is always confronting the culture because the culture holds people hostage. Did you see that woman walk in there today? That's hostage. Going extra 10 minutes, that's not hostage. That's hostage. That is what the culture does to people. And I'm not judging her. I have no odd in my heart against her at all. I feel compassion for her. But Jesus is always after what is after people. Always. He brings them on a 14-hour walk. And it's hot. Have you ever been to the Middle East? Has anyone been to the Middle East here? Steph, have you been there? Could you imagine? Let me just ask you this question. Could you imagine walking 14 hours in Dubai? That's really something. Even to think about it, it's like 14 hours and he gets them to this specific place to say something so that they can see something. And I say to you that you are Peter. Do you see what just happened? Revelation leads to transformation. This revelation started with a long walk and a question. A question that was engaging about culture and what is their perception on culture and on him and what is happening. That is what changed and brought transformation. You shall be Peter. Now, Petra, which is the church, is like a rock. Petras, Peter, is a little piece of a rock. So, so when, 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 the, when the Catholics have tried to teach that, that the church is built on Peter and the first apostle, blah, 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 that's not even accurate in the language of Scripture it's not even real the rock that the church is built on is Christ and that specific revelation is that he is the Messiah and the Son of the Living God so that revelation of Jesus is the foundation on which we build it's the only foundation that we can build and it's the only foundation that will outlast storms anything that is not built on Jesus watch when it meets a storm what happens relationships that are not built on Jesus watch when storms come if you have a relationship that is built on mutual likings and things and that and, that doesn't last because people change people change so don't relate to me after the flesh I don't want to relate to you after the flesh it has to be centered on Jesus we may have mutual interest now but that doesn't matter what if 10 years from now we don't if the relationship is built on Jesus the relationship will endure a storm okay and on this rock he's probably standing right there at the mouth of the cave I know Jesus I don't know it doesn't say that but I know Jesus I can just imagine Jesus with a smirk on his face and upon this rock standing there like that at the mouth of the cave at the very gates of hell saying the gates of hell will not prevail now this guy what's his name pan or pawn or whatever his name is however you say it pan or pawn pawn it's bread bread, <laughs> bread boy bread man no I'm just playing he cannot go into hell because he's gonna he, he, it's not Jesus did so what they believe about him Jesus was the real thing <laughs> and look where he's saying it when I'm, tell, when I'm telling I'm gonna say one thing If you would see what Jesus says and does, it's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. And I will build my church. This is the only thing, listen, the only thing that Jesus is obligated to build is my church. Not my ministry, not my website, not my empire, not my, I don't know what else you want to build. Not my business, not my portfolio. I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, which is where they were standing, the mouth of the cave. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So, if hell is prevailing, it's not the church. It's not the church Jesus is building. Oh, you don't know what happened to me. I went and I got hurt in church. I'm very sorry for what happened to you. That was not the church. That was an imposter. The church that Jesus is building doesn't hurt people. People hurt people, but the church that Jesus is building doesn't hurt people, doesn't mishandle people, doesn't manipulate people, doesn't use people. Okay. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the christ evangelism strategy don't tell nobody (laughs) if you could see jesus jesus takes ambition and shoots it in the face You know, like like Jesus goes to a poor guy's wedding and poor guy, broke guy, runs out of wine. Jesus turns water to wine, doesn't let nobody knows who does it and leaves. Not seeking attention. Jesus wasn't like, man, we're going to get more monthly partners. Roll the cameras. Let's make a video. Hey, I want to let you know that obedience of faith works miracles. Jesus does a miracle and dips. Jesus will always take ambition and shoot it right in the face. Bow, Because he doesn't care. Okay, now, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you buy. I read that already. Sorry, 21. And from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Here comes Pete. (laughs) Okay, then Peter took, (laughs) this is Peter. We're dealing with Peter right now. This is not Simon. So, you know, you can be like good and like transformed, but you can still be wrong he's wrong because he has the wrong value system his perception watch this his perception is incorrect because he has the wrong value system you don't see things as they are you see things as you are only scammers think everybody else is scamming people <laughs> okay help me Lord then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. In other words, you cannot die because my ambitions will die with you dying. My dreams will die with you dying. You can't die. We don't, we don't have a grid for a Messiah who dies. No, we got, we got a vision of a Messiah coming into town with the tanks. We don't have, a vi- we don't have this crucified vision, we got Isaiah 63, they never read Isaiah 53, (laughs) they got Isaiah 63 vision, wait a second, before Isaiah 63 come Isaiah 53, that's not the vision, that's not on the vision board, you can't die, we left everything for you, and if you die, what about our future? What about, you know, our, the left and the right of you? What about our, our benefits, 401k plan? What about, every, we left everything for you. What do you mean you're going to die? Here comes Jesus. And, and then he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now he's calling. The this Peter It's like, Three, 30 seconds ago, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. 30 seconds later, Satan. Get, Get behind me! If you have children, you know. You already know. It happened that fast. You're like, oh, you're such a blessing. You're the embodiment of the devil. <laughs> Satan, get behind me. You are an offense to me. Uh oh. Imagine offending Jesus. <laughs> it's like, whoa, sorry. Pete Pete is gifted. <laughs> Pete, 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 you are an offense to me, which is like you are a cause of stumbling. In other words, if you don't have the correct value system, you will cause other people to stumble because as soon as sacrifice is necessary, you wanna bail. Yep. Get behind me, say, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but you are mindful of the things of men. You you cannot see what God is doing because of this value system. Then Jesus goes and talks about his value system, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it if a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That to me is probably one of the most profound if not the most profound questions Ever ask to anyone, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? At what point is it worth your soul? At what point? You can say that to uh, 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 anyone. Is it worth your inner life? Is it worth the life and spirit and breath inside of you? When, when, you, when you analyze your life and you look at your life and you look at what you're doing and you look at what you value and you look at how you spend your energy and how you spend your time and how you spend your money, what will you give in exchange for your soul? If you don't answer that question, there will be no change in your life. He's trying to get inside of their heart so that he can get inside of their mind so that they can see things as he sees them. Okay. revelation requires a response what are you doing with what has already been revealed to you i do not ask that in an accusatory tone just so you know i'm asking you to think about what are you doing with what you already know dk came to me i'm going to do this you know i'm not going to do full, full full out blast but he came to me and he said i didn't know something i found it out i started applying it and what was the result abundance did you say that to me did i make this up okay so the question becomes what are you doing with what you already know do you know the hardest advice to take is your own If Solomon would have taken his own advice, he wouldn't have failed. All of the solutions to Solomon's life and sins and problems are in the book of Proverbs. Note to self. (laughs) Don't be so crazy, self. You know, like, you know, note to say, so, so revelation requires a response, okay? Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? The Father is the one that reveals who Jesus is. And that revelation brings transformation. But do you know that transformation is a process? He just became Peter. And in the next three minutes, he's acting like the devil. Did you see that? Am I making this up? Are you you guys all right? Oh, you guys are done already. (laughs) No Eric, no bread. We're going to end shorter. Usually Eric would be in the back like this. (laughs) Eric, if you watch this, we, we appreciate you. All right. When a problem is brought to Jesus, he addresses the real problem. Okay, let's just use this one situation, right? What was the situation? Peter's like, bro, you cannot die. It's like, good night, folks. You cannot die. So what does Jesus do? Jesus addresses his value system. Because the value system was inhibiting his ability to see what Jesus was doing. Because as soon as Jesus revealed who he was, the next thing that he revealed is what he was going to do. Right? So when someone says, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's not the problem. The problem is you you don't quite know who you are yet. That's okay. No one's judging you. Peter already had a family and he quite didn't know who he was. He so didn't know who he was, Jesus had to rename a grown man. <laughs> so, so don't beat yourself up. You know, it's all right. Like, but in the revelation of jesus you come into the you come into contact with your future self who you're supposed to be in the kingdom some of you have never met your future self yet you're stepping into the same way pete did he he stepped into that it wasn't like oh my god i'm perfect i woke up perfect now i'm peter I'm this great apostle he was still crazy 10 years later Peter starts a conversation with Gentiles and goes, I normally don't eat with you guys. (laughs) Um, Pete, that's really offensive, Pete. You get thrown out of New York City talking like that to people. You know, like, I don't eat with Gentiles. I don't eat with you guys. That's way, way to build a bridge, Pete. I mean, you are incredibly emotionally intelligent, Pete. And this is the guy that has the keys, the guy's in charge preaching on Pentecost, and yet still he's in a process. This is all good news, by the way. God is committed to loving and transforming us in the process as we walk with him. Okay, many times we bring the problem, but it isn't the problem. (laughs) So in in Peter's mind, going back to the story, what does Peter do? Peter goes, "No, no, no, you can't. You can't die. That's the problem. He goes, hey, you die. <laughs> Ministry's over. No paycheck. <laughs> We're really in trouble. You can't die. <laughs> right? And Jesus goes, actually, that's not the problem. <laughs> the problem is that, you know, you, you value the things of men, and you are mindful of the things of men, not the things of God. So he is dressed up. Okay. When Jesus respond, when, when Jesus responds, uh, it's an invitation to embrace his perspective, which is the truth. So in Peter's mind, the truth is you can't die. But the real truth is he can't not die. He was born to die. And he's gonna rise up again, and he's going and, and everything's gonna be okay, Pete. In fact, Pete, you're going to go down in history. People are going to be talking about you thousands of years later. You did well for a redneck fisherman from Galilee with no Instagram account and no website. In fact, you have changed the world, Pete. You're yes. We're still talking about him because he said yes. And we learn lessons. His mistakes are for our admonition. That's why the scriptures were written. So imagine how, how blessed that is. Imagine if you could show someone and tell someone, hey, I did something really dumb. Don't do that. Hey, that's a blessing. Especially when you've been forgiven and you no longer have shame. Now you're, you're helping people because you learn the hard way. Hopefully they don't have to. That's, that's in essence, that is probably one of the most profound definitions of parenting. Okay, truth brings freedom. We think that to not address something, that's freedom. But God says, no, I'm going to address it and love you through it. And love you in spite of it. And love you out of it. Because truth brings freedom. And love is the motive. Okay, no truth, no freedom. So so in, in our life, this is the last thing and I'm, I'm done. If there's an area of our life that we do not believe the truth, okay, there will be a measure of bondage to the degree that we are not aligned with the truth. Are you with me? Okay. So anywhere there is not truth, there is... Bondage. Okay. So let's talk about this as intimacy and transparency. When I say intimacy, I'm not talking about sex. I'm (laughs) talking... My kids are here. I'm talking about being vulnerable enough in a safe place to say, Hey, I didn't appreciate when you stepped on my shoes. Or, Hey, I didn't like what you said. Or, Hey... Uh, you hurt my feelings, or when you said this, I felt that. So we have to take the risk of being honest. Now, here's 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 the thing about being honest. If I if I have the courage to be honest, and you don't appreciate my honesty, then I feel like my vulnerability and transparency was kind of pooped on. Then I'm going to, I'm going to, it's in the human, I'm sorry, it's like the human, my human nature is to step back. And say, well, but as kingdom people, we pursue truth together. So what I think about something is not the whole truth of it. Or what you think about something is not the whole truth of it. There is, the Bible says that in the multitude of counsel, there's wisdom. So, so sometimes the, the truth of a situation is not your truth or my truth, but it's the overall the truth of the situation or the truth of the Scripture, right? Because I could take something from Scripture and it could be a truth, but if I abuse it, it's not the truth. Or I could give you a half-truth from Scripture. This is what, what's going on. I could give you a half-truth But it's not the full truth, and it's disingenuous. And if I love you, I won't do that to you. I won't withhold something from you that could help you make a better decision, right? You know, you go to a car dealer and he doesn't tell you, oh, you know, there's something really wrong with that car and you're not going to detect it until 30 day warranty is over. But the timing bell is going and it looks cute now, but it's going to be $3,000 in two months. And he was not forthright. He was disingenuous with you. And by withholding information, he manipulated you. Right? So as the church of Jesus, we don't want to do that to each other. We don't want to do that to the world around us. We want to live from a place of authenticity and truth. And, and we want to, how do I, let me say one thing. How can I walk in truth with you, right? I'll make this, I'll, I'll use myself as a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> so I'm looking at, that point and at people, people like, how can I walk in truth with you if I do not allow the Lord to deal with me right now spin that back on you (laughs) turn it how if you don't let the Lord deal with you then how can how can you how do you think you'll handle other people if you're not responsive to the Lord when he's like hey boom Adam, no good. Or, you know, Isaac, let's adjust that. Adam, don't say that. You know, like, you know whatever it is, by just allowing him, and, because that's grace. Because grace is empowering me to live well. So God may see something that I'm saying or doing and go, okay, what's the root cause and motive behind that? Oh, you know, you're saying that, Adam, because you believe this. But let me show you this, and this is the truth, and the truth will set you free. And now that you're free, you'll speak differently, and it'll be a benefit to the people who hear it. That's one of the things that's really crazy about bitterness. When when someone harbors bitterness, let's say I'm upset with DK, and I harbor bitterness against DK. Now, when I speak, I, I am defiling people that had nothing to do with my problem with decay. Because bitterness defiles people. So now, let's just say I'm harboring bitterness toward you, now I'm defiling Isaac with my bitterness. Have you ever heard someone say something that's true biblically, but it feels unclean? It's probably because it's coming from anger or from bitterness. And the enemy wants it to come from anger or from bitterness so that it doesn't bring freedom. It's almost like a dull knife. You know, it's a powerful knife, but it cannot cut through because it's it's bitter, it's dull. So allowing the Lord to deal with our bitterness or deal with our disappointment or deal with anxiety or deal with fear or whatever it is, right? Because, I mean, for Peter, what's Peter's thing? Peter's like, yo, I don't want you to die. You know, he loves Jesus, yeah, kind of. But he also, like, you know, he was willing to follow Jesus. Like, imagine you just get up and just, like leave <laughs> like you know he has a family it's like people are like wow that's really ir-. like we would be like that's irresponsible you can't do that Peter's just like I'm leaving <laughs> you know and he leaves a whole boat remember he left a whole boat full of fish so he left like a pile of cash and left you know uh, and, and, and so we so he you know he, Peter is like invested in Jesus even though he fully doesn't get it all He's fully invested, so he doesn't want Jesus to die. So you got, you got to bring, you got to, you, we can't dehumanize Peter and make him a Bible character. So Peter is feeling a sense of loss, which gives birth to fear. But all of that is rooted in an incorrect value system. And he derives his value system from the Scripture. So he was mistaken about the scripture which led to an incorrect value system which means he was not able to see what God was doing right in front of him even though he chose to follow. That's why when I say that we're in process, I mean we are in process. You, me, Peter, Paul, unless you're Jesus, you are like, we are being transformed. We are being saved. We are being sanctified. We are growing and that is good news. That's good news. Okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, we have a great opportunity to pray for this woman, Lord, who is hurting tonight, God. We ask you holy conviction to come upon her soul to remind her, Lord, of what she already knows about you. We bless her. We forgive her, Lord. We ask you that your love would surround her, Lord, that she would see it. That she would have the courage to see it just the way you showed it to us when we were lost. Pray that she would see your grace, Lord. We bless her, but Lord, I'm praying for those who are here, for those who are watching, for those who will listen, that when you begin to address something, that we would have the courage to allow you to so that we can grow and so that we can respond to you correctly. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv/invite.